Welcome to the Northeast Community Church Podcast. If you have any questions or would like to know more about us, visit us on the web at necommunity.church. Hi, my name is Ryan Nowakowski. Today, we're going to talk about uh, Mark 11. And uh, in this passage, uh, Jesus kills a plant and then tells us we can have whatever we want if we'll just ask. So, yeah. Uh, when, when Sean told me he was going to be out today preaching um, in San Marcos, he's actually at a young person's conference at a college age uh, conference because uh, we love to support Next Gen. So we have a, a children's program that we, we pour lots of resources into. We've got a high school program, students in junior high that we pour lots of resources to. And we have a, a college age kids program that we pour a lot of resources into. And so Sean is serving those kids today. And that's because that's, that's part of what we do is we serve the next generation because, you know, we're not going to be here forever. So um, we like to love on the kids and take care of them. So that's where he is today. And he, he said, hey, um, uh, you know, we, we, we have a slot that we, we need to have a guest preacher come in. Um, you know, what do you think? And I said, well, it's, you know, what do you think? And he goes, I think you should preach. And I said, okay. And we're in the middle of uh, hard things that Jesus said. And so I have to preach one of those, right? And he's like, yep. I said, okay. And so that, as I was studying, I, um, I was reading through, and this one passage, um, it just hooked me. And uh, I didn't want to preach on it because it's hard. And uh, I, Jesus kept bringing me back to this. So um, here we go. We're just going to read through it um, together. So this is Mark 11, verses uh, 12 through 24. On the following day, when they came from Bethany, he was hungry. He is Jesus in this case. And seeing in the distance a fig tree and leaf, he went to see if he could find anything on it. When he came to it, he found nothing but leaves, for it was not the season for figs. And he said to it, may no one ever eat fruit from you again. And the disciples heard it. And they came to Jerusalem, and he entered the temple and began to drive out those who sold and those who bought in the temple. And he overturned the tables of money changers and the seats of those who sold pigeons. And he would not allow anyone to carry anything through the temple. And he was teaching them and saying to them, Is it not written, My house shall be called a house of prayer for all the nations? But you have made it a den of robbers. And the chief priests and the scribes heard it and were seeking a way to destroy him, for they feared him. Because all the crowd was astonished at his teaching. And when the evening came, they went out of the city. Verse 20, and they passed by in the morning. They saw the fig tree withered away to its roots. And Peter remembered and said to him, Rabbi, look, the fig tree that you cursed has withered. And Jesus answered them, have faith in God. Truly, I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be taken up and thrown into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes what he says will come to pass, it will be done for him. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. And whenever you stand praying, forgive if you have anything against anyone, so that your Father, who also is in heaven, may forgive you your trespasses. So, uh, my wife and I met in 1995, my freshman year of college, and we met in a martial arts class. And uh, I moved to Austin from Bernie to go to Texas, and uh, I I joined this school that taught the same style of martial arts that I've been practicing, and uh, I asked my instructor's permission. He said, yeah, go 
that guy's a, he's a good guy. You should train with him. So I came up to Austin, Round Rock, actually, and I, I got my, went to class and got my spot in class, and I was standing there waiting to wait and start class, and this lady was next to me. I looked around, this lady's next to me, and she's looking at me like she doesn't like me. I don't know what I did to her. And uh, it turns out, I didn't know this, but I took her spot. So traditional martial arts, you line up by rank, right? The highest rank is like to the furthest right in the front. And, uh, and that used to be her spot. But when I got there, we were the same rank, and we tested at the same time. And the uh, tiebreaker is whose birthday is first. So, yeah. So uh, she looked at me sideways for, for a while. Uh, we were training partners, acquaintances for about a year and a half, and then we became friends. We actually got certified to teach as instructors together. We went to a camp uh, together uh, and got certified to teach. And my junior year of college, we started dating. Um, <laughs> uh, actually, um, <laughs> I won't tell the whole story, but <laughs> after I graduated, because, yeah, there's parts of it she doesn't want me to tell. So I'm trying to skirt around the parts that are uncomfortable. But after I graduated, um, I had this plan. She was testing for her third degree black belt, and I was going to propose at the end of her testing. And I had it all set up. I, all of her friends were there. All of my friends were there, you know, to watch her test uh, for her third degree. Uh, and so we had like video cameras rolling and people in the audience clapping for her. And right at the end of testing, uh, my instructor was in on it. He calls me up and uh, he puts us together to spar. And, uh, you know, she's all worn out. She's been out there, uh, you know, doing her stuff, breaking boards and form and sparring for about an hour at this point. So she's a little worn out. And she's not looking forward to this last round sparring. She's looking at me like, what is, what is going on here? Because she thought she was done. She, she'd broken her board. She'd done everything she's supposed to do. She thought she was done. So we stand across from each other, and we're getting ready to spar. Uh, and I get down on one knee, and I get the ring, people videoing. And she thinks that I'm mocking her. She has no idea that I'm proposing. So I'm down on one knee like this, and I'm reaching for the ring. And she thinks I'm sparring her like we sparred little kids. Because, you know, we sparred little kids. We'll get down on our, on our knees and spar them like this. She thought I was making fun of her. And uh, I was about this close from getting kicked right in the face. Uh, and then luckily, I pulled the ring out. And she, I go, what? Hold over here. And, uh, and then, you know, the tears and the crying and all that stuff is fantastic. I tried to find a photo of it, but I, I stored away in my server someplace. I can't find it. But um, so, so we uh, proposed. She said yes. Uh, and we got married. And the, during that time, uh, she was actually working uh, at my instructor school, teaching and, and selling programs and that kind of thing, managing the school. And one of her goals um, had always been to own her own school. And so we talked about this. You know, we knew we were going to get married. And so I started the little club over at the Westover Tennis Center um, in North Austin. And the idea is that we, you know, when we were ready, we would take those kids from the club and we would start our own school. And so uh, for about three years, Courtney taught at our instructor school, and I ran this little club, and then till it was time. And then uh, so we started our own little school right here in, in North Austin, um, and we dedicated it to God. We, you know, when we, we, had, we rented the building and we got in there, we had to do a bunch of construction and paint stuff. So we wrote verses on the wall, verses on the floors. We prayed. We dedicated. We said, God, this is your school. We want the school to be to your glory. Um, and we ran the school for six years. Um, so I, I, I had a full-time job. Courtney ran the school full-time. I would come in and teach occasionally. And, um, and then toward the end, uh, one of the reasons we only ran it for six years is because we, it was a big financial strain on us. You know, we were 26 years old, 27 years old, not great with cash flow, whatever that meant at the time. And so we were, we were struggling financially and then she got sick, 
really sick. She had mono plus an infection that she had gotten in the mission field. Um, and so she would sleep about 16 hours a day and then crawl out of bed, go teach, and then go back home and go to sleep. And this happened for a few months. And so financial strain, and, and she was just not getting better, not doing well. And so we had the hard discussion with us and, and our small group at the time that we've got to shut it down. We've got to shut it down. It's not good for us. It's not good for my wife. My wife needs to heal. It's time to shut it down. So we went to our landlord at the time. We had three more years on the lease. And I said, I, I, I took him out to coffee, and I said, look, uh, I owe you three more years of money. And I, we can't do it. My wife is sick, and I have a full-time job. That's the only way we're, we're making it. And so we have to shut down, and I owe you this money. So I, I, what will happen, and I'm just being real honest with him, is I'll we'll declare bankruptcy, and then you'll get paid out of that money. Alternatively, I would love it if you would just let us out of our, our lease. And, um, and the guy did. And so um, God, even though um, he uh, wasn't going to let us run the school that we wanted to run, was still taking care of us. Um, but we had questions like, God, why would, you, why would you let my wife get sick like this? Why wouldn't you let us run the school? Let's see your glory, God. We dedicated it to you. Why, why would you have it closed? Um, so in Mark eleven twelve, 12, um, this is Jesus and the disciples coming into Jerusalem. In a few days from now, uh, he'll be put on the cross. So this is, um, this is him in and around Jerusalem right before the Passover. Um, so we're going to read verse 12 again. On the following day, when they came from Bethany, he was hungry, meaning Jesus. And seeing at a distance a fig tree and leaf, he went to see if he could find anything on it. When he came to it, he found nothing but leaves. So in the Bible, um, the word fruit is used um, to indicate loving God, serving God, and living in his will. Um, and so you'll hear the term fruitfulness used. There's a lot of churchy words that we throw around, but if you hear that word fruitfulness, that's what it means. It means you're loving God, serving God, and you're living in his will. Um, And so if a tree has leaves but no fruit, what does that mean? That means that that tree looks like a fruit tree, maybe even acts like a fruit tree. But if it doesn't have fruit, it's not a fruit tree. So what does this mean? This means that the essential part of what it means to be a believer or to be a church is that you love God, serve God, and live in his will. All the other stuff is good, but it's not what makes a church or a believer a believer. So leaves in the church today or in your life might look like, you know, coming to church. Might look like using churchy language, carrying a big Bible. That's why I bought my big Bible today. Um, praying well out loud in a group setting. Now, none of this stuff is bad. Leaves aren't bad. A tree needs leaves. But leaves don't make it a fruit tree. Fruit does. So you can do and have all the leaves and still not love or serve God or live in his will. You can do all the right stuff, say all the right stuff, look the right way, act the right way, and still in your heart not love God, serve God, and live in his will. So at this point, um, the nation of Israel, 
under the old covenant had produced fruit in the past. However, it wasn't producing fruit anymore. Now the nation of Israel is a fig tree with only leaves and no fruit. So the next part of the verse here is, for it was not the season for figs. The season for figs was over. The old covenant was done. You know, where you had to sacrifice animals and go to the temple and keep all the religious uh, rules and regulations. The time for that is done. It's not producing fruit. It's a new season. And then this is verse verse 14. Um, And he said to it, May no one ever eat fruit from you again. And his disciples heard it. So Jesus tells the tree, You have produced fruit before in a different season, but you don't have fruit now, and you won't ever again. People that love and serve God and live in his will won't come through the Old Testament anymore. This is 15. So now Jesus is is done with the tree. Now they're coming into Jerusalem. Verse 15, and they came to Jerusalem, the disciples, and he, Jesus, entered the temple and began to drive out those who sold and those who bought in the temple. And he overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold pigeons. And he would not allow anyone to carry anything through the temple. And he was teaching them and saying, to them, it is, is it not written, my house shall be called a house of prayer for all the nations, but you have made it a den of robbers. So this is the state of Israel at the time. This is the state of God's love in Israel at the time, where the love of Israel for God. This is one of the biggest religious holidays in the day um, of the Old Testament's Passover. So uh, in our day, this would be the equivalent of like Christmas. So a few things that are the same. People travel, take time off of work for Passover in the day, right? They take time off of work, and they would travel to Jerusalem. They travel with their family, right? We do that for Christmas sometimes, right? If you've ever been to the Austin airport during Christmas, you know that it's a tradition for people to travel, right? I, I don't recommend it. Uh, lots of expenses. expensive. How many of you guys get to Christmas, and you're like, what happened to all the money? money, but now it's all gone. Now I don't have any money, right? Christmas is expensive. Passover was an expensive holiday, um, you eat together, right? There's lots of feasts and, and meals together, right? Sort of like Christmas here. Imagine if one of the Christmas traditions was to buy gifts for Jesus, right? Maybe that, that, that would be the equivalent of what's going on here at Passover. The type of gift was specified. It had to be an iPad Pro. You had to bring Jesus an iPad Pro. But, you know, okay, if your family can't afford an iPad Pro, then like a regular iPad is cool. That's also that's in the Bible. You can bring a regular iPad. And if you can't afford a regular iPad, then you get an iPod, right? That's the alternative if you can't afford an iPad. You have to present those gifts here, Northeast Community Church. You have to come here. You can't ship it via Amazon. You have to bring it here. It's in the rules, okay? It's in the rules. You have to present it with Northeast Community Church. So you buy the iPad and travel here with your whole family to present a gift for Jesus. This was the tradition of Passover. Oh, but uh, oh, I forgot to tell you. Oh, you brought that iPad with U.S. dollars? Oh, yeah. Um, <clears throat> the elders here have decided that all gifts for Jesus need to be bought with this new thing that we came up with called Northeast Coin. It's a new cryptocurrency, so here, here's what we're going to do. We're going we're gonna to let you sell us 
your iPad that you brought, we'll give you dollars back. And then you can go over to a table right back there in the back, and we'll let you exchange those dollars for Northeast coin. And then you can buy the iPad back with that coin. That's, that's how we decide as elders. That's how we're going to do it. Oh, there's a small fee that we're going to take out for the exchange. You get the money. You know, just, you know, it's a, it's costs us a, it's a small fee. Oh, and, you know, lots of people want iPads now, you know, because that's the gift that we specified for Jesus. So the price went up for that iPad. So when you buy it back with the coin, it's going to be a little bit more expensive than it was when you sold it to us. Sorry. Supply and demand. <laughs> so that's what's going on here uh, in the temple. This is why Jesus is so upset. Right. Some of these things were laid out in Scripture, um, like the iPad is is uh, the equivalent of, of a lamb in Scripture. You're supposed to bring a spotless lamb. And what was happening was they were selling spotless lambs for incredibly inflated prices because of supply and demand. And then to buy it, you had to have special coin that you had to exchange, and they were taking a piece of that exchange. Um, and so that was happening externally. What do you think was happening in their hearts? Right? Like, making money off a little currency exchange is not bad, but when that's the external thing that you see, the inside, the heart, is probably not loving Jesus, not loving God, not serving Him. So this was the state of worship, God and Israel. The system was set up by the religious leaders to make a buck, and the people just go through the motions, right? That's the state of people's heart at this time, just going through the motions. So this is verse 18. And the chief priests and the scribes heard it and were seeking a way to destroy him, him as Jesus in this case. For they feared him because all the crowd was astonished at his teaching. And when evening came, they went out of the city. So the religious leaders of the time, the Pharisees and the scribes, uh, looked very pious and holy, right? They had the big Bible, right? They came to church, right? They volunteered, they tithed, right? They wore the best clothes. They acted and they spoke like holy men. They were trees with beautiful leaves. But they were looking for a way to destroy Jesus. And let me submit to you <laughs> that if you are looking for a way to destroy Jesus, maybe you're not loving God, serving him, and living in his will. Jesus is God who came down to earth, took on the body of a man, lived the sinless life, and died for us so that we wouldn't have to. The chief priests and scribes of Israel wanted to destroy Jesus. They wanted to destroy God. Leaves, but no fruit. Leaves, but no fruit. This is uh, verse 20. As they passed by in the morning, they saw the fig tree withered away to its roots. Right, so now Jesus has left with his disciples is Jerusalem, and they go back by the tree. And Peter, one of the disciples, said to him, Rabbi, look, the fig tree that you had cursed has withered. Friends, the old covenant is obsolete. Hebrews 8.13 8, um, says so. What is going to replace it? For thousands of years, this is the way that God's people have interacted with God. And Jesus says it's obsolete. We need a new covenant. Verse 22. And Jesus answered them, have faith in God. Friends, belief in God is the new covenant. It's not about um, taking sacrifices to the temple. It's not about following rules. It's about belief. That's the new covenant. You no longer have to be born of Jewish descent to be a child of God. 
Jesus was born through the Jewish line of David to fulfill the prophecy. You no longer have to keep religious law. Jesus kept the law perfectly for you. You no longer have to offer sacrifices on the altar. A few days after this event that we're reading about right now, Jesus will die on the cross as a perfect sacrifice. That's the new covenant. This is verse 23. Um, Truly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be taken up and thrown into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says will come to pass, it will be done for him. Therefore I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. So uh, what we're going to do now is you guys are going to name it, claim it, and uh, word of faith, and God's going to give us prosperity, and we're going to walk out of here. All our cars are going to be new. It's going to be fantastic. (laughs) So uh, this is the part of the scripture that I really struggle with, because if you read that scripture and stop there, that's what it sounds like, right? We can come up. We'll do an altar call right now. Everybody come up. Right? How many of us have been down that road? We ask God for something. We don't get it. And we try to figure out what happened. Anybody else? Hey, God, I really need this. And it seems like he doesn't hear and he doesn't answer. What do we do with that as believers? Did God not hear me? Did I not have enough faith? So Matthew 17, 20 says that, in fact, that might be the case. We may not have enough faith. But God does hear. After all, the most important thing in life is for me to climb the ladder, get everything I want, so that I can live happily ever after. There are basically two ways of looking at life. One, it's basically about me, what I want, and what I think. Most of what we consider to be American culture is that, right? Pull yourself up by your bootstraps, work hard, go out there and get what you want. The other way of looking at life is basically about God, what he wants, and what he thinks. So this passage does a fantastic job of revealing your heart and my heart, frankly. That's why I don't want to preach this. It's hard, right? You read that, and you're like, oh, what can I get? What kind of awesome stuff can I get? Right? Because instinctually, you immediately think about who? You. Right? It's not about what God wants. It's about, oh, what do I want? God is not a butler that gets paid in faith dollars to do our bidding. That is the first view. The first view is, it's about me, it's about what I want, it's about what I think, and God is just there to provide those things. God is a father. In Luke 11, Jesus tells the disciples to pray, Father, hallowed be your name. God's a father, and we're his, we're his kids. And a bit later in Luke 11, 11, this should be there. Thanks. This is Luke eleven eleven. What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, 
we'll give him a scorpion. If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Good dads give good gifts. On Halloween, do you let your kids eat all the candy that night? They want to, right? But you tell them, no, here's like, you know, a few pieces and I go to bed. Why do we do that? Because we know it's not good for them, right? And we don't want to deal with the uh, blowback. So you say no, right? Good parents don't let their kids do whatever they want. Dad, can I play in the street during during rush hour? No, you cannot. Squash like a pancake. Dad, can I use this rusty rake to joust with my brother? No. No, you cannot. My brother's sitting right back there, by the way. It wasn't a rusty rake. It was a uh, one of those like stick horses. Flipped, flipped the other way with a stick pointed toward. I'm not gonna say who was chasing who. No, you can't do that. Right? Because good parents don't let their kids do stuff that's bad for them. The key is this. As your faith in God grows and your doubt shrinks, you begin to think like God. You begin to desire the things that He desires. By the time you have enough faith to tell that mountain to move, you'll only do it if God wants it done. Because God's heart and yours will be in agreement. So, uh, <laughs> towards the end of our time with the martial arts school, I didn't know this. My wife told me uh, afterwards, uh, many, many years after, months, maybe years afterwards, that uh, towards the end, um, she had been praying that God would burn the school down. And the reason is because she was tired and felt like she couldn't just give it up because we had dedicated so much money and so much time and so much of our lives to that school and those students in that martial art that she couldn't just give up. But she was tired, and it wasn't what God was calling her to do anymore. She wanted to be in the mission field. During our time as uh, school owners, martial arts school owners, um, we had started taking these little mission trips with the high school kids from the church we were going to at the time. And, uh, and, and it affected both of us, but more so my wife. And... Uh, so secretly, she wanted out. And it turned out that uh, it would have been nice for us if God had burned the school down because, you know, insurance money and stuff. Uh, but, uh, but God knew that if he had done that, that we could have said, well, you know, we could have kept our pride, right? We're closing down, but it's not because of anything that we did. It's not because of our financial mismanagement. It's not because that we had more pride in us than we did in, in, in the Father, but, uh, you know, school burned down. We're going to take the insurance money and shut it down. God knew that if he had done that, this is my, my thought process. God knew that if we had done that, that uh, we, we would still have uh, pride in, in ourselves above glory in God. And so he humbled us. Uh, we went to our small group, and we said, this is what we're going to do. And they said, okay. And so, uh, and so we shut it down. And then months later, she told me what she prayed. Um. And so we feel like 
through that process, we become uh, more in tune with what God wants. Uh, we got all kinds of issues still. Um, but through the process, God has drawn us closer and, um, and brought our heart more in alignment with his. So there's two big ideas I'm going to leave you guys with. One, don't be a tree with just leaves. Don't just come to church, bring your Bible, say all the right stuff, use all the right words. Talk to your father. Talk to your father. Even if what you have to say, you don't think he wants to hear. Talk to your father. Because through that relationship, your heart will be in, in alignment with his. Get to know God's heart. This is Luke uh, 11.10. Actually, I'm not going to read it, but one of the things that it talks about is that um, we should be shameless about continuing to pray to God and ask him for what we want. Um, how many of you guys have, if, if, if you guys remember Toys R Us? You remember Toys R Us? They shut down. I'm so sad. It was like a childhood Mecca that we would pilgrimage to as kids, right? You would go to your parents and be like, can we go to Toys R Us? And they're like, no, we can't go to Toys R Us. And what would you do? You would ask again, right? Yeah. You wouldn't stop because you knew eventually they would say yes, right? <laughs> so God uses an example of a child asking something from mom and dad is a way that we should interact with God the Father. Keep asking. And it's not necessarily because he's going to answer in a way that you want him to answer, but it's because that interaction is how you get to know him and, and how he changes your heart. And I feel like the reason we don't do that is because, one, we don't have enough faith. We don't, right? We ask one time, it doesn't happen. We're like, well, that didn't work. And the other reason that uh that we that we don't shamelessly continue to ask the father for what we want is just because in our heart um we yeah in our heart we feel like he doesn't want to hear it Right? It's not important to him. And that's not the truth. If if you're a dad, if you're a parent, and your child comes to you, that they're important. They're important to you. You want to know what's going on in their lives. And that's the way God is because he's a good father. Second point, it's mainly about God, not about you. So when you read the verse about moving mountains. I immediately, I immediately think of a superhero, right? Like, look at what I can do. Because I'm wicked. My heart's wicked. It's not about us. It's about God. This is John 15, 7 through 8. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. By this, my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. If 
you abide in me, and my words abide in you, comma, ask. Ask. By this, who is glorified? Yeah, I don't get to put on the cape. <sighs> I have one, by the way. He won't let me wear it. It's a long story. By this, my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit, that you not be a tree with just leaves, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. Jonathan Edwards um, says it this way. God is glorified not only by his glory being seen, but by it being rejoiced in. John Piper takes that and shortens it a bit. God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in God. I want you to talk with your dad and tell him what's really going on in your heart, even if you don't think he wants to hear it. Even if what you want is a new car, if you really need a new car, ask him. Ask him. Because maybe it's his will, right? And then if it doesn't happen, what do you do? Keep asking. You keep asking because maybe it's in his will. And then through that, it's not mainly about the car. It's really about your heart. It's really about you and God growing closer in relationship. Thank you for listening. If you would like to know more about us, please visit us at anycommunity.church.